In the Trauma-Informed Education podcast, you can get great ideas and practical advice for educators. You can get more invaluable insights and free resources by subscribing to our Trauma-Informed PBS monthly newsletter. Visit www.tipbs.com and register your email address. That's tipbs.com. Trauma-Informed Education. I'm your host, Dr. Kay Eyre. With research on trauma-informed practice growing in leaps and bounds, we run the risk of losing sight of the harrowingly emotional experience of the students we are trying to help. So how do we stay empathetic and remind ourselves of the needs of these children? Today we speak with Nathaniel Matanik. Nathaniel is the director and producer of the short film, removed. The film powerfully portrays the emotional journey of a nine-year-old girl who was taken from her abusive birth home and placed in the tumultuous foster care system. The sequel, Remember My Story, explores the struggles as Zoe deals with the court system, foster home life, her birth mum's attempts at getting her own life back together and looking for hope for Zoe's future. In addition to being a filmmaker, Nathaniel is also a foster parent, giving him a unique perspective on the life and needs of children in care. Nathaniel is interviewed by my colleague, Dr. Govind Krishnamurthy, and myself. I hope you find this interview useful. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Trauma Inform Education. My name is Dr. Govind Krishnamurthy, and I'm here as always with Dr. Kay Eyre. Hi, Kay. Hello, Govind. How are you this evening? I'm great. How are you going? I'm well. I'm excited today. We've got Nathaniel here with us. Nathaniel, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm doing so good. Thank you so much for having me. No worries. It's such a privilege to have you. Um, Just before the interview, we've been talking uh, about the film you've made, Removed, Um, such a powerful piece. Um, We will reference that as we're going through. But Nathaniel, we might just jump right into it. Could you tell us a little bit about where you went to school and how that influences the work you do? Yeah. So I... um Growing up, I lived back and forth between Kentucky here in the United States and Malaysia. My parents were teachers there. Um, And after high school, graduating high school in Malaysia, um, I knew that I wanted to work in in the world of film, but I also knew that I was ready to be done with school. I was definitely not an academic. So I went to LA and started doing a film internship there and slowly got into film just doing like wedding videos and whatnot but um but ever since i mean i remember ever since high school uh knowing kind of a sense that i would be interested in possibly adopting although i mean it was just something on my heart but i didn't know that foster care necessarily was a thing it not until um i was married and our church was doing like a little sort of like a thing on kind of this is what foster care is and um, kind of like had some presentations and whatnot. And that's the first time that, that Christy and I kind of ever knew it was a thing. Um, so that is really what led into, of course, the, you know, the film removed, you know, coupled with, you know, 
my wife and I are desiring to tell stories through film and also just our heart, our hearts for adoption and foster care. Um, so that's kind of like a really brief sort of background on us. But yeah, I really enjoyed growing up um, kind of between two cultures, back and forth between Malaysia and the States. So it was a really great experience and I loved it. That's fascinating. Yeah, and I'm sure um, some of that experience of being across two cultures has given you um, some level of empathy, I think, which I'm sure comes in hand when you're, uh, you know, making movies, but also caring for the children that you have in your care. I Yeah, I, maybe. It's, it's hard to say. I definitely feel like it, it definitely helps your perspective. Um, Nathaniel, how many foster care children have you... Um, looked after and supported so actually only one um, okay. when we first, yeah when we first became licensed um our desire was to um stick with a child so we were i mean we knew nothing about foster care or even um childhood trauma or anything before we started um taking our first uh, foster parent training class it was just completely new to us and one thing that we were hearing was one of the reasons kids get bounced around the system is because they might go to a foster only family and then if they go up for adoption, then they have to get replaced or, or vice versa. Um, and so our desire was simply just to be with the kid, no matter what their, you know, outcome is. If they're foster only, then we'll stick with them. And then if they become adoptable, then, then we'll adopt them sort of thing. Um, so, the, the we got um a little girl came to us and she was originally they were telling us it was going to be foster only and they're saying that for like you know two years the time kept extending and then and then kind of at the last minute she became adoptable and so she's been an, a, an amazing addition to our family and we're super excited to have her um we actually have um three bio kids and one adopted through foster care. So it's been, you know, a journey uh, with everyone integrating together as far as like sibling relationships. And um, I have no idea if we will foster again in the future, but right now she definitely seems to be doing really better with just the, with the stability. She sort of needs that. Oh, wow. Thank you. That's fascinating, Nathaniel. I, I was going to ask you about the uh, movie Removed, but I wondered if you could talk us through that journey that you're referring to, this idea of, uh, you know, hearing about it first at church and then, you know, going through the training. What were some of the big learnings that you feel like you got through um, those trainings and that journey to kind of start the adoption? Yeah, well, I think, um, I think, one of the big things that hit us was that um, I think when I was in high school, there was a sort of idea um, that there's kids who don't have a family. And I think one thing that I learned was that that's, at least here in the States, that's not true. I mean, these kids do have a family. And when you're... Um, and they're not, you know, and their family is definitely very much with them present in their minds all the time. And so you're not at all replacing that. Um, and a lot of the times 
when you enter into the life of this kid, you're entering in also to their extended family and maybe you don't interact with them necessarily, but they're definitely like a part of this kid's mind. I think that was like a big thing that just never had occurred to me, um, which I think is so important. Um, and I think, yeah, I think one of the, I see, and then one of the other things that really stood out to us was just how, how much instability there is um, for the kids in foster care. Um, just with the system being moved around, uh, I think that was, uh, and I, that was a thing that I think had just never occurred to me. I think, I mean, when you, you know, when you're in high school and you know absolutely nothing about something, you know, anything you learn about it is just sort of like, you know, in a sense, just mind blowing because, you know, it just never occurs to you. I guess when you learn about it, it seems sort of obvious, like, of course, that's how it is. But um, I think those were the two things that really stuck out to us. Um, yeah. So we, I think it was important to Christy and I that, um, that whenever we get a placement, that we're able to just be um, be consistent and be available, uh, whatever the like the the legal outcome is for the kid. Um, I think that was one of the things that we were most struck by is just how much they get bounced around, and it's not always, you know, it's 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 so much out of control of the foster parent. But one thing that the foster parent can do is just choose to be be uh, choose to be available, whether or not the kid is adoptable or whether or not, um, you know, they're foster only. And I think that was one of the things that we had that sort of, um, it seems like obvious to us anyway, and I think probably to a lot of people that like, of course, um, there needs to be someone who's willing to be there, whatever the outcome, but we definitely found it kind of hard to explain to people. Um, you know, when people find out that you're possibly going to uh, be a foster parent, you know, it's, it's like, oh, are you going to adopt? And, and then trying to explain, well, we don't know. It kind of depends on the situation, you know, and, you know, we may not end up with a kid at all, you know, and um, I think one of the, you know, something that people say is like, oh, that sounds so hard. I could never do that. And then, but, but I mean, the truth is that, you know, anybody, I mean, not anybody, but like you could do that, you know, and you just, and, um, and I think, of course, it's hard, you know, and I think the thing that really, was in the inspiration for removed is like, you know, if it's hard for us, the adult, how much, how much harder has it got to be for the kid? Um, you know, we, we can sort of handle our adult emotions, but you know, if it's hard for you, it's, it's gotta be so much unimaginably harder for the kid. And that was really one of the big reasons we made removed was simply to sort of get outside of ourselves and get outside of our, our adult feelings about it and just focus on the kids and what the kid must be going through. Yeah, uh, you know, speaking of explaining things well, I think the medium of film and uh, and the way you guys have made removed is incredibly powerful in communicating that experience. And Nathaniel, can you talk us through how you came about making the film, um, and what sort of guidance and input did you draw, and how you kind of crafted the story? Yeah, totally. So. So the some of the well the very beginning of the story starts with we were in our very first uh, foster parent training class and um, the teacher played a PowerPoint of um, 
of some things that kids in foster care might say if they had the ability to to sort of articulate their emotions. Um, and that was really the when we were, the PowerPoint had like kids um, reading those lines. And of course, like these young kids, like age seven or younger would never actually say these things or articulate it in such a way. Um, but it was so powerful to us that I leaned over to Christy, my wife, and I said, we have to do this as a short film. Like, what if we made the, like the, the, the better made version of this PowerPoint sort of thing? And that was really the initial idea for Removed. Um, I think it, it was inspired by just this, in a sense, just, um, you know, this general feeling of, you know, gee, that sounds really hard. Are you sure you want to do that? Let me tell you about this story of someone who did it, that it, you know, it turned out hard for them. And, and I think um, our response was to sort of answer that question in what we, you know, in some, in a way that we do, which is through the film. Um, I think that films are not necessarily the best tool for like, um, teaching necessarily i mean they can be but i think what they're best at is just changing attitudes um and it's like it's on an emotional level um so i think that is you know something was removed i think that you know you can glean you know insight from it but i think the the best thing about it is simply just like an attitude shift and a mental shift of just remembering the, the child's perspective um i apologize by the time I get done answering a question, I completely forgot what the question is. So, <laughs> That's all right. You're doing a great job. I was really interested in the point you were making about it's shifting attitudes. And um, mm -hmm. part of what Kay and I do is go in with a lot of the kind of the theory and the practical strategies, particularly for educators. And often what often gets missed is this, um, what we refer to as like an integrated understanding. It's not just like an intellectual understanding that they have an some version of an emotional experience about um, what it's like for the kids. And, you know, that makes, you know, in a way that's uh, a better tool of persuasion to all the kind of practical tools and theory that we're, and research we're talking about because it's more persuasive and it really puts you in the shoes of the child. And we often have people who are very, very deeply moved by the mm, movie. I was going to say, we always need to take our tissues. <laughs> and, and there's always a trigger warning. So, yes, yes. Uh, but it's always well worth it. Um, so I, I guess the second part of that question, Nathaniel, was just your process of making it um, in terms of how you kind of crafted it over time and, um, and what it kind of ended up looking like towards the end. What was that process like for you? Yeah, well... Um, Christina, my wife, uh, she wrote it and she, I think, had the, the biggest role in the process of kind of getting, you know, of the story that we have right now. So she did a lot of research, um, talking with, um, foster parent trainers. Um, I think, well, well, when we first started making it, we, we knew nothing, um, about anything. So, um, so just like, it was just a completely new world to us. So she just did a lot of research, just reading a lot and talking to a lot of people who work in that world and, um, and then um, talking to people who have been those kids and who have lived it 
and just trying to just get our heads in that space as much as possible. Um, and then really, yeah, it's just research, really, um, just trying to get our heads in that world and just, you know, do our best to understand it. I think it feels very overwhelming when you're coming into it from a place of knowing nothing about it. Um, I think Remove sort of captured it, captures it from a very, um, it doesn't really go into a lot of detail. It's sort of like a broad, um, it sort of sees it from a very broad lens and it's very sort of um, general. Um, um, I feel like that's part of why it, why it works well is because you can sort of, um, you know, I think people put their own experiences into it and it sort of allows for that. Um, I think that's one of the reasons, in my opinion, that people connect to it is because it is kind of general in a sense. It doesn't get too specific about any one thing. And I think people tend to put a lot of their own experiences and, and, and feelings and whatnot into it, which I think is great. Um, so yeah, just a lot of research. And then the story itself is, is, I mean, it's not profound. It's simply a girl gets, uh, gets removed and gets moved around from home to home. And eventually she, you know, we end in one particular placement and the, the foster parent is trying to do a good job. You know, it's so simplistic, the story. In fact, we never really even wrote out a script or anything. Um, it was just sort of like, here's the idea, you know, we let's have a girl and we'll think of, you know, some reason she's removed, you know, and we don't even, you know, we don't know for sure why she's removed. We can see that there's definitely some sort of domestic abuse stuff going on, but we don't, you know, it's, it's, you know, we just have her in one spot and then we move her around and that's, it, it's such a simple story. Um, mm -hmm. And it's doesn't, it's not really a story in the sense that there isn't really an, you know, uh, a clear ending. It's just sort of, you know, there's like an emotional ending, you know, where she sees a little brother again and we sort of just end it there because that's when, you know, it's a good place to end it. But of course the story, you know, who knows what happens, you know, in reality, you know. Um, but yeah, I think we just wanted to keep it simple. I mean, the, the when we did it, we were actually doing it as part of uh, a filmmaking competition. So in that competition, the, the, uh, the rules were you had to make an entire short film in 168 hours from start to finish, from shooting to editing. So it was very much like it had to be simple and it had to be able to be done fast. So it was very much like, let's just, I mean, all of the, 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 the voiceover that you hear her saying, Hmm. Christy wrote that in a matter of a few hours and we never really even scripted it and we were sort of in a sense just sort of like making it up with the actors as we went along just trying to see like how fast can I get this thing done which I, is great for someone like me who wants everything to be perfect because then I never actually get anything done so <laughs> yeah so I think sort of having to get it done on such a short time period um, I don't think it even would have existed if it weren't for that um, but yeah, but I also that also contributes to the how I, how simple the story is and how we weren't able to really overthink it, which I think in the end was good for it because it allows people to sort of put their own perspective into it and connect with it. Yeah, that's just a fascinating story, and it actually makes me really interested in the craft of filmmaking because. <laughs> As someone, uh, and Kay and I, as someone who has worked in this field for like over a decade, and Kay's even longer, 
the film is so poignant in illustrating so many subtleties um, about a child's experience in care and particularly of their experience of childhood trauma. So it kind of blows my mind a little bit that you guys did it so fast. So fast. <laughs> and that little girl was so good. Yeah. I know. She, she was brilliant. I know. She made it for sure. We were, the day before filming, I got super nervous because it sort of hit me. I'm like, oh man, if she doesn't do well, then the entire film is ruined. You know, it totally rides on whether or not she's able to do it. And she did incredible. So we're she, very thankful to her. Yeah. Nathaniel, did she sort of, obviously she, well, the, I mean, she obviously has an incredible ability as a little actress and obviously is a very intelligent child. So mm. did she obviously got a head around what she was portraying because I would imagine it was acting completely yeah, <laughs> and hopefully uh -huh. she'd never had any experience like it. So I just find that incredible from somebody that age to be able to portray such a difficult sort of not difficult character but to get the gist of what she had to be as a as a little girl in such difficult circumstances i just thought it was wonderful okay. well i think that um i think there's two things to that i think one she is amazing um and i think two it's it for me i really think that we really put so much of ourselves into something that we're watching and we really interpret it through our own lens of what we're of what we're feeling about it. So, I um, mean, she in reality, she's like um, super energetic, funky kid. You know, she's nothing like that. You know, no. she's super goofy and and happy and and she's never experienced. I mean, she's got an amazing family and incredible parents, and we're we're close friends. Um, and and um, you know, we. She like the whole like the whole this whole world like she she had no she knew nothing about and so her parents were gracious enough to 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 allow us to sort of talk with her about it and um, I think at first there was some hesitancy like do we want to expose her to stuff that she's never experienced and her parents were you know very gracious to like talk with us and her and kind of educate kind of a little bit about what she's doing and but some of it was just like hey you know act sad. You know, and then you know, and just, just acted sad. sad and just did it. Yeah, and that was it, and she moved to the next thing. Totally, yeah. yeah. And then I think when we watch it, you know, then like maybe her just being sad. You know, she's good at looking sad, but then I think what makes it profound is sort of like what we, the audience, put into it is like we kind of fill in all that context, you mm. know, in our minds, and then yeah. that's sort of what makes it feel true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really interesting comment about us filling in the gaps. So, you know, I suppose in a way, projecting some of our experience because a lot of, uh, you know, teachers supporting kids, you know, they often don't have the whole story and often you're really attending to those little signs, those little cues of deprivation or, or difficulties that you're trying to kind of build into your own thinking about what the child then might need at school. Um, there, there are lots yeah. of poignant poignant moments in the movie Nathaniel I mean one of the ones that often sticks out to people is when Zoe goes back to school uh with a black eye um for school photos I think it was um having had a um, foster child yourself what do you think 
school means to kids who've been in difficult circumstances like this? Yeah, well, I I imagine it is completely dependent on that on each individual scenario, like depending on the teacher and the classmates. Yeah, I mean, for us, our experience is that school has been amazing mm-hmm. um, because uh, her teacher has been so amazing, and mm-hmm. I think that it's so good for kids to have adult influences in their lives besides just their parents. Um, mm-hmm. I think growing up, um, the high school and middle school I went to was an international school in Malaysia, and mm. and the teachers were just so. I mean, it was such a formative thing for me to have such amazing adults pouring into my life, other than just my parents. I mean, I had amazing parents, but I feel like it's so good for kids to have that. Um, and I think for our daughter, it's she has it's surprised us um, how much she's just been thriving and doing well um, in a classroom environment with with other friends and an amazing teacher who she's able to sort of be herself with and relate with, you know, and she doesn't have the baggage of just, you know, us, her family. Um, I think, I mean, just from like what we've been learning and researching and talking with kids in foster care and foster alum, I mean, school it seems like it, it can be, you know, a safe place for a kid who's experiencing trauma at home, you know, or it's a place where an adult might notice and be able to like ask a question or say something, you know. Um, it seems like the nice thing about school is it doesn't really allow you to be isolated. Um, it sort of forces you into community, which it seems like is usually a good thing. Um, but I mean, that's sort of like going into territory that I'm not really an expert in you know it's just based on you know sort of our experience and sort of what we've heard from kids in foster care yeah that's fantastic and and i think that's so important because you know so much of what educators rely on is you know foster carers and their experience and them supporting the children um there are lots of moments in the movie that are really touching some that are quite funny as well one of the um unusual ones that often makes me smile is when zoe pushes i think it's like a record player over the the balcony (laughs) (laughs) and it tumbles through because and it always reminds me of the little cheeky things that kids get up to that you know seem to infuriate adults um for some reason yeah yeah if that i know that would make yeah totally yeah it's funny (laughs) um i think like it's so i think it was easier making the film before we actually um became foster parents because it was so much easier for us to like only care about like what the kid is going through once you become a foster parent then you start like sliding back into like your own feelings about it as well which and then we're always have to like try and fight that, you know? Um, so it's definitely like, I think it was almost better because we were able to like only care about what the kid was going through in a sense and, and not judge her. Yeah, and that was going to be my question, Nathaniel. There might be times when you've had kids in your care who really pushed you um, to, you know, to your limits. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you manage to stay empathetic and calm? Like what, what are the little things that you kind of do, do you think? Totally. Well, I mean, as as silly as it sounds i mean sometimes we like remind ourselves of removed we're like you know because it's just so easy to get caught up in in self-centeredness in a sense and just like being stuck in your own brain and your own perspective and and um 
sometimes like Christy and I will joke with each other. We better go back and watch Remove. <laughs> um, <laughs> although like, and it definitely sounds kind of silly, but um, yeah, I think one thing that's really helped us has been um, therapy. Um, mm. Her, um, um, re- about a year ago, she started um, being a therapist and then we recently started meeting with that therapist separately. And it's just been like so helpful just to like um, be able to just get some like perspective and um, um, she's just been like doing really well and it's just been exciting. And I think it's just been helpful just to remember that, that I think one thing that is, is I think what we find hard to remember is that they've got such a life going on inside of their mind that it's just so hard to see unless they happen to say something about it. And, and, and maybe they act out in a certain way and you're sort of wondering like why on earth are you acting like this and then you just so easily forget well there's so many reasons that don't don't seem obvious but it's so real in their head um and i think we sort of you know allude to that in removed a little bit um and i think you know it's easy to like make a song about something and then living it is just an entirely different thing and and i um i think that's been like a big thing for us in in our own reality is just like remembering that there's so much going on inside her, her head that we are rarely ever sort of, um, that, you know, exposed to, you know, every once in a while she'll make a comment and then we're like reminded like, right, this is, this is very much present in her mind right now. We just, you know, it's so easy to forget that. Um, just, yeah. you know, carrying around bio parents and, and bio siblings, you know, daily, you know, it's, and you know we forget that that's like very present in her head um but i think the more that we can remember that and the more that we can like try to try to like make a conscious effort of remembering that she's got a life inside of her head that we just so easily forget about you know the the better we are at being good parents and relating well yeah that's such a great point nathaniel i i mean it it sort of reminds me of how you know we do a lot of training in schools and that it's not just about learning about this stuff once it's about kind of revisiting it isn't it almost over yeah. time Absolutely. Um, yeah and, and reminding yeah the, the teachers like you've just said the and we often say it and the literature shows it that so when they've got all of this going on in their head, we have to really consider that as a teacher. So where's the space for the learning, you know? There isn't any much. Mm-hmm. you just got to yeah. tread very, very gently, you know, because mm-hmm. there's not much space left for learning when you've got all of that going on. Yeah, totally, totally, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. Now there is a part two to the removed um, series, is that right? And uh, but part two explores a little bit about some of how the uh, you know children uh, Zoe in the video reestablishes a sense of kind of uh, safety and belonging, but it also sort of illustrates how kind of the systems around the kids often aren't necessarily helpful um, in their kind of recovery. And, and I wondered, Nathaniel, as a, as a foster parent, um, I'm sure there are a lot of things you have to be grateful for, uh, for uh, with how the kids have been helped and you've been supported. But were there things that you thought were perhaps not so good or perhaps you found that were a bit more difficult for the kids in terms of... Yeah. 
Yeah, of course. And it's, I mean, I can only speak for our experience here in California. I know that it's different in every state in the U.S. and I'm sure it's obviously different in each country. Um, I think just, I think the thing that I think has been the most, was the most challenging for, for like, for the adults and the kids is simply just um, each different role in the system, whether it's like, um, a judge versus a social worker versus uh, like a CASA uh, or, you know, each different player has such input and such say in what happens in the child's life, but they're not necessarily communicating with each other. Um, I think that for us seems like the most difficult aspect of it for, for everyone involved. Um, and I think um, as I've had the chance to talk with providers who work with uh, kids who've gone through childhood trauma it seems like that's one of the it seems like that's one of the the hardest things is just how do you how does everyone work together to help a kid um when it's difficult to communicate with each other to know what what everyone else is doing and a lot of that is just you know just some of that is just like schedules and and some of that is confidentiality issues and and um so what we would do um in our family is we had so many meetings that we were required to have meeting with this social worker and meeting with that social worker and meeting with this person. We would just uh, schedule all the meetings at our house at the same time so that everyone was in the room together and we could all talk about it together. And that seemed to be something that was really hugely helpful. Um, yeah. I don't know if that really gets at what you're, what you're trying to get at, but that was our yeah. Now that's really invaluable for people to kind of know that just the kind of demands that comes with caring for kids. It's not just about, you know, getting them dressed and dropping them off at school. It's all the stuff in the background that's really happening yeah. that often um, gets missed, I think. Um, so people who are kind of thinking about this, who feel a bit daunted about this, what would you say is the most rewarding aspect of, being a carer, what what do you feel like you've learned even from making the film, Nathaniel, that um, you find quite rewarding and and kind of a reason to yeah. Well, I think I think the most rewarding aspect of of getting to um, be in a relationship with a kid who who's gone through trauma is just simply getting to see them grow and see them begin to thrive. I think. Um, that is like one of the best parts of it. I think it doesn't always feel rewarding because it's, it's, it's like a lot of times you're just struck with how hard it is for them and how hard it is, you know, for you in relationship with them and how hard it is, you know, I think every once in a while you get a glimpse of like how much they're growing and how well they're doing. And I think seeing like going back and looking at where they were versus where they are now is hugely rewarding. And then just like kids themselves are just so much fun, man. I mean, I suppose if you like kids, you know, I guess if you don't like kids and they're not, but like just getting to be, you know, in, in relationship with them and see them grow and get, and know that you get to be a, just like a small part of their journey um, is like, it, it, I don't know, but it doesn't always feel good, but then every once in a while you're reminded that it is. Yeah. And I guess just, I know, just getting to love a kid is great. I think the, the film is definitely more easily rewarding to make a film about it than actually do it. Um, cause like a film is so easy to make compared to actually going through life with somebody. Um, I think what we love about getting to make the films is just the, the feedback that we got. I think that we are really nervous about making the film at first 
because my wife and I both came from great families and we had great childhoods. And so we were worried that people in foster care or foster alum were going to say, this was made by an outsider and you obviously don't get it and this is fake. And that hasn't been the response that we got. Um, we've gotten thousands and thousands of messages from foster alum and kids in foster care saying how much they related to the film. And I think that is the most rewarding thing about it for us. Um, I, um, hearing people say um, that this is something that helps me feel understood and helps me feel um, that my story is legitimate and helps me explain myself and helps me heal. Those have been like the reasons that, you know, that those are like the best reasons you could ever want to make it. That definitely feels rewarding, I think. Um, but I would definitely say that like making a, I think the, the one, I think, how do I say this? Um, people tend to say, wow, this film is amazing. You must be amazing. And that's just not at all true. Like the people who are actually doing it are the ones who are amazing. Like making a film is easy and actually, uh, actually being in a relationship with a kid who's gone through trauma, like that is the hard part. I mean, and being the kid who's gone through trauma, that is the hard part. You know, um, a film is just like a, you know, you do it over the course of a few months and then it's done. And, you don't really have any real hardship while you're doing it. But, you know, actually being one of these kids or being a family who's working with one of these kids, like those are the things that like, it's, you know, it doesn't, it's not just a few months, like it's a lifelong journey. Like that's definitely the hard part. So I definitely applaud um, like kids being resilient as they go through this and applaud families who are stepping up to like be in relationship and be on the journey with these kids. Like those are definitely all the people who deserve the credit for doing something. Yeah, definitely. And I'll add all the educators who kind of really yeah. step in and, and everyone else. And I think social workers and everything, I think it's it's difficult Absolutely. work and yeah. um, it, it takes a village, really. I think Kai often says that takes a village um, to really help the kids yeah. out and take care of them. Totally true. Yeah, absolutely agreed for sure. Yeah. We are um, actually coming out with a third one. I don't know if it... Um, um, yeah, well, you're going to ask about it, but yep. um, I mean, because you have no way of knowing, but just so you know, we're actually coming out with a third one. Um, and I think this one is interesting to me. It actually comes out in a week, but this one's interesting to me because this is the one that is most informed by sort of our own experience. The first two were sort of were informed just by research um, that we have been doing. And this one, I think, you know, it wasn't meant to be informed by our own, own experience, but it definitely came through. And I think one of the things that most, one of the things that constantly hits us is how much she um, has a different world going on inside of her head. And this one definitely, we do our best to kind of capture that, how, how a kid can be functioning and, and it looks like, you know, everything's normal, but like inside of their mind, there's like an entire different experience going on. So I'm curious to see like whether or not um, people can relate to it. And I'm excited to, I'm excited for it to come out and see if it, you know, I'm always a little nerve. You know, it's always a little nerve-wracking because you never know if, if something is going to resonate or not. But yeah, yeah. well, we're excited. <laughs> we are. What's it called, Nathaniel? Are we? So yeah. So you know, actually, we're there's some back and forth about the title at the last minute, but the title has been, and I have no idea if the title will continue to be, because um, you know we're working with a team of people. But um, the title has been "Love Is Never Wasted," um, and that is something and it, it it really came from this idea of 
of people saying, you know, that having to love a kid for a few years and then give them up seems too hard and not, and, and our response is like, it is too hard, but it's worth it because, you know, the love that you pour in isn't wasted and maybe you don't get to see like the outcome of that, or maybe it feels like it's wasted, but like it's not wasted. And, and um, like it, it, it goes with the kid that, you know, and, maybe they maybe the kid maybe you feel like the kid that you work with totally rejects you or rejects it and doesn't get it but like it's you know it's it's with them somewhere so the love is never wasted whether or not you get to see it so that's kind of like the idea behind it so this new film um um is is kind of follows a reunification story where we see um a child get taken into foster care and then journey with foster siblings and foster parents um who are trying to do their best to pour into this kid but it seems like it's getting constantly rejected and then the kid eventually goes back to um their birth family and and um that leaves the foster parents kind of feeling like that was sort of an emotional waste of their time um but we really um try to see how like what they poured into this kid they take back with them and of course we're really really keeping it from the kids perspectives and what they're going through so yeah, it's interesting. It's a little bit different take on it. It's different characters. Um, it's a completely different take on it. But I think for us, it was something that we had been thinking about for a long time. So, yeah, I'm curious to see how it does. Mm, sounds wonderful. Sounds like a very important story because we know it happens so often, um, Nathaniel. So um, well done to you for telling it. Um, it's sad. Yeah, yeah. So was there anything so was there anything else you're working on Nathaniel do you know how people can keep an eye out for the your, the third part and I think you're yeah. going to share with our yeah. So um it will if if anyone goes to loveisneverwasted.com the film will be there uh provided the podcast doesn't come out until at least a week um um and we are also, we just, we're really excited because we um, are working on a book, which is, we're calling it, we're still figuring out a title, but we've been calling it the Foster Care Anthology. And an anthology is a collection of different things like short stories and poems and artwork. So what we put a call out to the foster care community and said, hey, we're working on a book. If you want to share your story or have some insight to share, like we would love to include that in the book, if you imagine you had a page, and that was really inspired by by the thousands of messages we've been getting from kids in foster care sharing their story, and we thought, man, some of these insights are just so amazing. It's unfortunate that we're the only ones who get to see them. So we put out a call and said, hey, if you want to share something, you know, we'll, you know, we're making a book. Like, and so we've been compiling the stories. Right now, we've got about 120 um, stories and insights that we're that we're that we've um selected for the book and um it's just been for us it's just been so profound to get to read the stories and insights and so we're really excited for this to be something that um in a sense is like the book version of remove but based but full of true stories written by the kids and the foster alum themselves and i think my main hope with it is that kids in foster care can read it and feel this sense of community I think a theme that we often hear is a sense of isolation and feeling alone and like you're the only one in it and I and how helpful it is to realize that that's not true um 
and a sense of validation of, of people being able to see stories like theirs and feel like and help them realize that their story is valid and that their journey is legitimate. So we're really excited for that. And the stories are just super good. And we're just like, I just can't wait for people to get to read it. Um, and then we're also just, uh, we're, we're working on a documentary about youth who are transitioning out of foster care, um, aging out and following them as they go through the experiences and the challenges and struggles that, you know, often comes with aging out of foster care, um, homelessness and, you know, et cetera. And, um, so we're in the process of working on that. And so, you know, hopefully it's good. <laughs> it will be. Uh, wow. Well. <laughs> Sounds That's, terrific. Sounds great. Nathaniel, how can people support you with all this work? Is there some way people can reach out to you and help you with what you're doing? Yeah. So something that's really helpful is um, simply following us on social media, Facebook or Instagram. I think that the, the thing that's most important to us is being able to communicate with the community of people that watch the films because it's such a communal process and we get so much insight from the community just um, and being able to like interact with people in the community, people who, who watch the films and people who have lived it is just so important. Um, so um, following, you know, following us on Facebook, facebook.com slash removed film or following us on Instagram, Instagram, uh, our handle is at removed film or anything at removed film. Um, that I think is probably the most important thing to us is just being able to interact with, with the people that with, with the community around the film. Um, yeah. And then I think um, like the removed film who, which we, which is the organ, the organization that we formed that we make the film through it's a non, it's a nonprofit organization. Um, so, you know, whenever people, um, the films are available for free for people to use, but um, whenever people want to like, Sometimes people want to license the films for, for beyond just, um, you know, for including in, in like curriculum that they're like distributing and whatnot. And that is always so helpful for us, just like financially figuring out how to fund the continued, you know, making of these films since we don't really, you know, we don't sell them or anything. So it's always nice to be able to figure out how to fund them. That's always like, you know, I think that's the challenge of anything is like how do you fund it? Um, yeah, but I think the most important thing for us is just being able to interact with the community on yep. social media it's just been so helpful that's great and we've certainly uh donated money to that fund because we think all the work mm -hmm. you do is incredibly important um but incredibly powerful nathaniel i think you know uh, you know i know in the trauma informed education community there's a lot of talk about the film and um it's kind of really reached out to even the most cynical people <laughs> i think um which if there's ever a bigger compliment i could give to the film and the people in it and the people have made it it would be that that even people who are the true disbelievers as we'd yes. call it um, are often moved by it so yeah um, Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. No, really thank it. you. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, Nathaniel. And um, mm -hmm. I hope we can keep in touch. And we will definitely put all your information and contact details in our show notes for people to find. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you oh, Nathaniel. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for what you're doing. I was going to say, you obviously understand the power of storytelling as well with this podcast and how, how important it is in helping to like give people perspective. So thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. Take care.
That was our interview with Nathaniel Matanek. To get access to the links and resources mentioned in the interview, please visit www.tipbs.com. If you're enjoying listening to our show, please rate and review us on iTunes. Your ratings make all the difference. Thank you for listening. See you next time.